Hello, and welcome to Lou Harry Gets Real, a podcast about arts, culture, play, and stumbling forward through life. I'm Daryl Hollandquist Jr., your announcer and co-host, and still a beautiful chocolate man for this <laughs> evening. Thank you, thank you. And I'm thrilled to welcome you uh, to another year of this experiment in conversation and music recorded live from the Oxford Room of the Aristocrat Pub. Yes, yes. Uh, we have some great guests. Uh, our guest tonight, uh, local hip-hop producer, artist, community leader, Wild Style, the producer, Pascal. And Wild Style's main musical partner, Pope Adrian Bless. Celebrating his latest release, Fury Road. Uh, and there's lovely good folks that have filled up the room, as uh, I'm sure you can hear their lovely applause. Now, please welcome your host, the editor of The Quill, the magazine of the Society of Professional Journalists, the author of the new book, The Little Book of Misquotations, and a guy that has been in the studio audiences of <clears throat> The King of Queens, The Daily Show, Ellen, Mr. Show with Bob and David, and some TBS sitcom that either has starred Dick Sargent or Dick York, he's not sure which. <laughs> please welcome Lou Harry, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Daryl. Welcome. I hate it when you're supposed to check one box, when we're asked to define something as either this or that. Okay, maybe hate is too strong of a word, but it annoys me. As a, as a playwright, I get asked if what I'm working on is a comedy or drama. But park yourself in either of those camps and you create very specific expectations. Yes, Blazing Saddles is a comedy and Long Day's Journey into Night is a drama, but just about everything else in between is some combination of the two. For the record, I didn't write either Blazing Saddles or Long Day's Journey into Night. Now, we color our states red or blue based on which party has the majority, and we call them red states and blue states, as if that were the whole picture. But those color codes don't reflect reality. Right now in this room, there are approximately maybe 60% men, 40% women. But you wouldn't walk in here and say it's a room full of men. Yet those are what those graphics on TV news show us. We've gone through most of history classifying people as one of two sexes. And culturally, we're just beginning to understand the shades and variants that more accurately reflect who we are. I'm still trying to shake the habit of saying, ladies and gentlemen, uh, trying to overcome a decade of working in comedy clubs. But the range is actually much greater than those two choices. And the music business often demands that we ca demands categories so that it can help market and sell the work, forgetting that the fusion of influences and styles is usually where the magic happens. Stevie Wonder isn't Stevie Wonder without jazz and classical influences. Elvis isn't Elvis without gospel and R&B. Uh, there are... You know, uh, Bob Dylan's Subterranean Homesick Blues, and Robert Preston's Music Man, they're called folk rock and Broadway. They're really just rap. I'm pretty ignorant about music, as you may know. I like a wide range, but I have no idea how to actually articulate what is happening when music happens, which is why I like having guests who actually know what they're talking about. More on that in just a minute. Anyway, I understand we need words to help give people an idea of what they're hearing, what they're seeing, what they might be interested in. But that's about marketing and reporting. It's not about the art itself. Broadway, classical, hip-hop, alternative, or generalizations, not final descriptions. Art isn't binary. It's not linear either. 
Although the structure of the traditional resume or biography is designed to make it seem that way. You did this, then you did this, then you did this. I don't know of any artist who actually works that way. Writers write novels and plays and short stories and poems and songs while other novels and plays and short stories and poems and songs tease nudging for their attention in their brains. Some take years to percolate, percolate. some happen in a frenzy in the morning after a nightmare or dream. The original version of Town, which won the Tony Award for Best New Musical this year on Broadway, first was produced in 2006. So we're going to talk a little bit about those boxes that artists are sometimes squeezed into. Uh, we're going to talk about how ideas develop and take shape, and I'm going to learn something about music, I hope. Welcome to this episode of Lou Harry Gets Real. Now, I am thrilled to be in the company of Mr. Daryl Hollenquist, Jr. I met Daryl originally in a playwriting class and have since seen him shine on improv stages. Um, Daryl, how did you first get connected to comedy, or did it come through other art forms? Uh, uh, comedy has been, <clears throat> comedy's been around in my life, like, in so many ways. Uh, I, many people grow up, you know, watching, you know, stuff on TV and whatnot, but... I the first time I ever did comedy was I was seven and I I did laffy taffy jokes at <laughs> at our Boy Scouts like annual thing. Yeah. Uh, it was like Dude, could you recall thing. any of those jokes, Daryl? Uh, I think there was one that was a uh, what do you? Uh, oh, it was a why doesn't Clark Kent like Stu because he's a Superman. Oh yeah, seven years old. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I thought was... you meant Stu, the music artist, but that's a different. <laughs> different you know, I was going off in a totally direction. I thought Laffy Taffy's were getting much hipper than they were when I was a kid. Oh no, Laffy Taffy's stay, stay, uh, stay that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> you sort of graduate from Bazooka Joe comics up mm -hmm. to the Laffy Taffy. But uh, it's sort of the evolution of comedy, right yeah, there. It, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And then I ended up going uh, when I got to high school. I joined my uh, high school's improv group called Fun Monkey. Okay. And it was. Uh, it was 12 high school kids uh, being led by the, the choir teacher. Uh, well, <laughs> and, how how yeah. do you keep a high school crowd from shouting out recommendations, you know, uh, when you need a suggestion from the audience? Mm -hmm. How do you keep that in line with school protocol? You know, what was interesting, uh, I, I went to Warren Central High School. and Here in Indianapolis? Yes, here in, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, and the group that everyone in, in Fun Monkey knew each other we were all friends and whatnot and then you know you, you tell you tell your friends to come on out but people you know people weren't really wild like that and yelling out like crazy okay. stuff because they they just wanted to watch us do whatever mm -hmm. you know like they when they recognized oh those are those three people that are in uh you know that one class and they act like real they act real wild and they know they did stuff here too so they just want to watch you know whatever's going on but there were 12 people in the group in a high school <laughs> there were three or four you guys were carrying am i right uh like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> and you want to you want to name them now has it been far no, enough away i don't no. need to okay. i don't need to name them now but <laughs> they know who they were <laughs> they like like when it's just so much laughter and then they come on the stage and then it's just crickets right they remember they don't do comedy now they were like they did other stuff. Mm -hmm. And how did this segue into actually performing in front of paying crowds? And uh, well, that actually, my my home in arts really is writing, and I love technical. Um, I, I come from like the production side of stuff, like okay. pretty heavy. Um, that's what my degrees in actually. Right. But 
Making when, sure like heavy lighting instruments don't fall on people's heads. Yeah, and like yeah, like sound checks, uh, doing like you know stage stage production and just producing shows in general. But once I started doing improv in high school, I was like, oh, I have, I definitely have. You know, anybody that's goofy has a a, a bug of some sort. You know, <laughs> but once I started doing something with it, like in high school, like performing, actually, I was like, okay, this is something that's like, I got to keep scratching, and then. Uh, once I got to start doing, um, I ended up auditioning for comedy sports in 2012, uh, May of 2012. And that was when I got to be like, oh, I can like train this. I can be skilled at this. I can learn how to cultivate this into something that's, you know, powerful. Anyone that I've talked to who's been involved in comedy sports knows the month and year like they are coming out of AA. It was, you know what I mean? Like it, that's when they... I mean, they know when that date <laughs> happened. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I auditioned May 2012, and I got my phone call in June. So okay. whenever, <laughs> whenever we have like our, our our meetings, like that, like you know, our yearly review, we, me and the manager, we always argue <laughs> about. I'm like, I say May, he says June. <laughs> now, for those who don't know, <laughs> comedy Whatever. sports is kind of mock competitive improv, but there's sort of a uh, a system for becoming a regular performer, correct? Yeah, there's um, yeah, there's different way. I love their. Uh, they have classes that mimic a lot of what the Chicago improv scene um, does, where a lot of their theaters, you know, there's like a one-on-one class where they teach you the basics, and then the more you go through their program, you know, they start seeing like, oh, you can, you know, you, you know, you're stage worthy. Mm -hmm. um, if you want, you know, try to do stuff with us, but there's never been. Um, any reason to not, you know, do something on your own. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I never have really taken an improv class like that. I I was in the group when I was in high school, and then you know, generally goofy. Right. Uh, so when I had auditioned, I it was it was interesting being around a, a group of there are different groups of folks. There are some folks that have like you know taken classes for years. There are some folks that have lived in other cities and performed and you know doing other stuff. And then there are some people that are just like, what improv? I've never. Right. This is this is this stand up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, are there? I'm curious. You've done other fringe shows and done uh, stage work with mm -hmm. uh, with other folks. What's it? Is as a performer, is it dramatically different working with people who you've rehearsed something with, even if it's improv? Uh, versus the comedy sports format where it could be a different five or six people that you're working with in a given weekend, that those, those personalities keep changing. Same How do the sort of impact of those different personalities? Uh, I think what's interesting about specifically comedy sports and how each week it's supposed to be a different cast is that you you start finding pot, like, like you start finding pockets of of chemistry with folks and those moments and, 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 and people notice that too. And you just keep seeing the, the magic, you know, every time that they come up on stage too, versus uh, when you're in a show and you're rehearsing, you know, six to seven weeks, the whole crew and cast has a unique chemistry that's different from like one to two people. And the way that that works you know, th th that works differently, especially if it's scripted, too. Um, but then there, you know, there's also improv that, you know, there are teams that it's just that team. There, it, It's not, you know, a, a roster of, you know, X amount of people and it's a, a different six people. It's just this is this these six people all together for two years. And then so then they have that group chemistry and then they have that friend chemistry. And what was interesting was when I was in Fun Monkey, that group chemistry of friends knowing each other was inherently there 
um, which is so for me, you know, I, I that was like almost 10 years ago. And, you know, I've, I've gotten to go on and, and see a bunch of different types of improv shows. Some of the best group chemistry and group mind was like seeing people do fun monkey because mm. it's <clears throat> what what to me. I noticed I was like sometimes it's easy like doing improv. You meet someone, you know, in a class or something and then you end up, you know, developing a team with them. And, you know, let's say you develop, you know, six months. So, you know, taking classes and then you start going around and, you, and you're cool with this person to the point if you want to do improv with them. Mm. But. What is that to, you know, friends that have hung out every day right. in middle school and high school and then they join an improv team together? They instantly have right. chemistry that is going to. But it's part of the danger of that, too, is that it yeah. becomes inside jokes. Yeah, it's right? a lot of it becomes. In, yeah, it's inside jokes. And then just that lack of. It's, 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 it's all like just a different. Yeah. It's a motley crew of stuff. And I'm that, wondering how much so that much. is different for you know, a band that's worked together. Musically versus you know pickup artists coming together and, and when somebody just picking up a guitar and just be like, mm, can I jam with weird. you? Yeah, uh, we're all left-handed. <laughs> Have you? Uh, do you play any music? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I get. I'm very um, not jack of all trades. I'm like six of diamonds of all trades <laughs> <laughs> musically. Um, I, I play some guitar. I can I can hop behind the drums and and you know try to mess around a little bit. Uh, I think the music. <laughs> I think the two instruments I'm best with are the piano and the ocarina. Okay. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the ocarina, please. Are you familiar with the video game series The Legend of Zelda, Lou Harry? I don't appreciate being quizzed on my show, okay? <laughs> Especially when it comes to video games. I'm a, uh, I'm a board game kind of guy. Sorry. Well, uh, for 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 those that uh, have a, a, a question mark above their head, um, one of the <laughs> if I jump up and hit it with my head, will I get some gold coins? Wrong series, <laughs> you know, Lou Harry. You know, but but I was in the same ballpark. Yeah, same I, you know. same ballpark, but um. Yeah, there's a, a game series, um, Legend of Zelda. I, I know One that. Of, I, I, for the people that search somewhere, there's someone that does not know what this is. Okay. Uh, and uh, the main character, you know, is a young elf war warrior, or not even a warrior all the time. He's literally just, like, hanging out usually, and then something happens. And they're like, better go get this sword and this shield. Uh, don't die. <laughs> Uh, Which is a life lesson for all of us, it's I very think. Life, yes, a very good we life We all need lesson. sword. We all need shield. But one, one of the game's uh, main focus, a main, a main element was this woodwind instrument okay. um, that's called the ocarina. It's... Um, it's like it's like like it's like a flute, but it's not a flute. Uh, it's not, it's like it's it's a it's a it's a woodwind type instrument. Um, the ones that I'm most familiar with are pendant shaped and uh, sweet potato shaped. Um, in the game, they use a sweet potato ocarina. Uh, <laughs> sweet meaning, potato ocarina. Meaning that it's shaped like, like a sweet potato, and there's like holes in it, six to seven holes, and you have your mouthpiece and um, two thumb pieces on the bottom. Right. And um, it, they're typically just one um, one scale of. <laughs> okay, yeah. so we're gonna hear a concert at some point. Uh, man, I I'm trying to figure out how to go on the road with the Nakarina. Like I think, <laughs> like comedy. I love comedy, but you know, people love niche stuff. I might. Well, <laughs> I think you perhaps might need a producer for that. Ooh. And that allows us to segue. <laughs> Bring up Wildstyle, the, produce, the producer, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> who has helped change the face of Indianapolis hip-hop 
Uh, he's also a photographer who not only shoots music performances in a way that makes you want to be there, but also captures landscapes in his own dramatic way. He's been exhibited at Big Car Gallery. Uh, we'll soon have his work seen at the Indianapolis International Airport. Honored to have him here. Please welcome Wild Style. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, first, we have to get the important stuff out of the way. Give the man advice about his ocarina potential <laughs> career. Well, I, maybe I can sample it and we'll fit, go from there. I don't know. Hey, right. hey I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm not against that. <laughs> I got bars, too. We can make it. We can do a little, do a little EP. I've heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, hey, I, I'm not even mad. <laughs> Tell us some of the things you've heard. I mean, how do you... You know, decide who you going to who you are going to work with, and I'm sure there are many who would love to work with you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've I've come under fire for that. I think people think I, I do it arbitrarily, but I'm not just looking for talent. I'm looking for people that can hold up to the pressure because it's it's hard being a a, a, a hip hop artist or an artist of any kind. You have to be bold. You have to be creative and be willing to to do, do your own thing and, and be in your own lane if you're working with me. And not everybody's um, on that. Like, you know, some some people are, they're doing it because it's, it's fun. Um, we don't talk about this much because we don't have cover bands and hip hop, but there's a lot mm. of artists that are almost cover bands. Like they, they take the same instrumentals and they... They rap over them, but they use the same cadences, mix up a few words, and they're out there. And that's not something that, that I'm trying to be involved in. And so, um, yeah, I don't take, I don't work with everybody. And it's no, no offense, but they're gonna be happier somewhere else um, because I'm gonna be pushing. If you're not creative, then I'm gonna be pushing you to be more creative. But I, fortunately, I, I've had some really great artists. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about the, how you got into producing. So, <clears throat> believe it or not, when I was a whole lot thinner, uh, I used to roller skate, and, I, and I'm not talking about. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not talking about roller skating. You know, once a month or even once a week, I was probably roller skating every every other day, literally. Now, is this in a roller rink where it's hey, it's two hours, we have to turn around and go the other direction now, or is it out <laughs> on the streets? So it started off in the in a roller rink. Uh, but we would go to all the roller rinks. So we, we would go to, back then it was United Skates of America East, and then you had United Skates of America West, which is called Skateland now. Um, oh, and, man. You, United Skates of America East is like a, a, an insurance <laughs> firm now yeah. or something like that. It's so sad. It broke my heart when, when, when they, they, uh, they got rid of that one. But this was around 2001, and one of the DJs there um, – his mother was a DJ, he was a DJ, but he was also a producer, but I didn't know it at the time. And he was, you know, since I skated there all the time, I could be out on the floor after the session was done. And I'm skating and he's playing music. And I'm listening to it and I'm noticing, well, it don't have any words to it. And I'm like, well, boss, what, what is this you playing up here? And he says, all oh, their beats, I made them. I was like, what? How did you do this? Now keep in mind, this is 2001. So, you know, you did, now people are making music on their phones and and all sorts of stuff. But back then, the the a lot of people hadn't gone to computers yet. And I thought, well, you know, you needed, you know, $100,000 worth of equipment. So I'm like, well, how did you do this? And he was like, uh, I, 
I did it on a PlayStation. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, bro, like, bro, chill out. What did, what did, how did you really, how did you do this? And he said, uh, he said, no, really, it's, it's a PlayStation. I, um, I have a, a game called MTV Music Generator, and I, I make it on there, and then I record it. And I was like, he was like, it, you ought to try it. And this music like blended right in it's, with the other yeah, songs he was it, playing. It sounded like on a on a rink sound system, a big sound system. It, you didn't really, you couldn't tell much of a difference, especially back then. And I was just like, you know, I'd be a fool not to try it because I, you know. I grew up. Um, I also went to Warren Central. Hey, there you go. Uh, and, and you guys have a fight song or something? <laughs> is there some? I mean, it's just it's just that vibe. Warren was a vibe. <laughs> okay. It was a. It was a. See, I went there a long, long time ago. I'm not. Yeah, kidding. I was gonna say we probably didn't graduate within the same. I. I it was a. It, let's just say it's a much different school now than what it was when I went there. But I played in the orchestra, so I had a musical background. What'd you play? Viola. Okay. And, and so, was that an instrument that was sort of, hey, you look like you would play the viola, <laughs> or did you gravitate toward it for some reason? So my parents were like, hey, uh, you know, I wanted to play play an instrument. They're like, hey, you know, we're we're really not going to be taking you back and forth to band practices all the time, so you need to find something <laughs> that's going to be low maintenance for us. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I, I guess I'll get an orchestra instead because I wanted to play saxophone at first. They're like, nah. So <laughs> <laughs> saxophone and viola don't seem to be necessarily the, you know. And opposite I, sides of the same coin. And I didn't take it serious at first. Um, of course, having a very uh, um, domineering father sometimes, which was it, it actually was a good well, good thing in some ways because we went to a parent-teacher conference and my orchestra teacher was like, yeah, he doesn't practice. He's slacking <laughs> off. And, you know, he got in my behind and made me start practicing. And he did that for a couple of weeks and then he didn't have to tell me anymore because I actually started loving it. Uh, when I started practicing. And so, you know, I had a musical background, but I wasn't able to afford my own instrument coming out of high school. So 2001, I'm, a, I'm about two years out of high school, and, and I get this opportunity <laughs> to make, you know, compose music. On Did a, you already have a PlayStation? No, I didn't, actually. <laughs> so I went and bought one <laughs> and, and got the game on eBay because by then it was still actually old. Okay. Um, and I, I went to work on, on, on making instrumentals. Now, later on, I switched to computers and started buying more equipment over time. Next thing you know, you're recording artists, you, you know, at your house. And, you know, we've, I've even been on the radio with artists. Um, uh, my current artist, uh, Pope Adrian Bless, performed music that I recorded and produced all the way in Hong Kong last year. So, I mean, it's been a lot of changes and I never but for 10 years from 2001 to 2011 I never produced a, a worked with another musician on 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 that like it wasn't until 2011 and I started working with so you just rappers. working your own what what musicians were in your head at the time as you were trying to well, back then it was music. Timbaland like I wanted to yeah I, 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 yeah like like that that was the stuff when you know growing up I was just like Timbaland, and then at that time, Manny Fresh. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember listening to the music that, that um, Juvenile and Lil Wayne were, were putting out, and I was, I listened to them, I'm like, what is this? Like, I wanna, I wanna be responsible for making somebody feel the way I felt listening to their music. Now, did you have any connection to the live music scene at the time? Here? Not really, I mean, so at the rink, uh, it was a, 
a microcosm of the community of the art, art artistic community. So there was a lot of hip hop artists, and I would try to get um, you know you know try to talk to them, but I wasn't in the whole clique. And then my 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 beats and my my instrumentals were different, uh, and they still are from what a lot of people. Are. Uh, were looking for, but at the time they were like, "Nah, I don't know mm-hmm. what she's doing, man." <laughs> How about for what was the scene like here? For you know, for I music? think I mean during that time, it was somewhat of a dark ages. So I mean, nowadays there's there's hip hop shows all the time, but back then there were very few venues that that carried hip hop and. You got to think, you know, still in this era, the, uh, the barriers to recording was a lot more like I got my start actually mixing and mastering artists around 2012 when I was recording a 15-year-old. Now, I wasn't recording, actually. He was recording himself, and he was sending the tracks to me to mix. But back in 2001, you needed to go to a studio. Like, you know, we're talking about money. So, you know, it was a bigger barrier. There weren't as many people doing it. There weren't as many serious artists, you know, that were making waves back then. Were you, you know, working as the producer, but were you also involved in trying to get these acts and get this music heard? So that that happened later on. So when I started work, you know, working with um, my first hip hop artist in, in 2011, which was incidentally, uh, one, one of them was my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's, a, that's a crazy story in itself and that my uncle, you know, was supporting my, my cousin's career. And they knew I had a production studio at home and they were trying to do something at their house. And they shanghaied me into coming <laughs> over there. And the next thing I know, I'm for the first time in my life, I'm producing hip hop artists and re- recording music and all sorts of things. Like it was a turning point. Yeah. How, how much wide of a reach did that music get? I mean, did, you, did that lead to Live performances. What's sort of the goal when you're doing that? Besides having having the song recorded, well, see, you know, what's the realistic goal? See, all of that now, yeah, makes sense. Like, yeah, you should have a goal and this and that. But when, <laughs> <laughs> when you say it like that, <laughs> I think uh, back then we were just uh, mucking through, uh, trying to figure out, hey, how, you know, what is the best way. And so they did do some performances. Um, uh, they actually opened for uh, Gucci at, at Limelight. Uh, I think it was called Cloud Nine at the time. Um, it wasn't. I mean, it was a good performance, but it wasn't like uh, career changing like we thought. It was right. <laughs> at what point did you feel comfortable saying when somebody said, "Hey, what do you do?" To be able to say, "I'm a music producer." I think I want to say around 2013. I think that's when I started having more success, more tangible success. How Define what that tangible success means. What did that look like? More listeners, like people, you know, more than just a few people were checking out the artists that I was uh, working with back then, which is also um, today is a, you know, very somewhat sad sad day because the first artist that, that I really had success, uh, sex, you know, success with passed away uh, on this day four years ago. But we had, we had a, you know, we got on the radio like he had never had a project out before, and he, you know, we got on the radio. He, we got nominated um, by the biggest local blog at the time for you know, uh, album of the year and, and stuff like that. And that was when you know 
the first time when I had tangible success, something that I could say, hey, my peers are recognizing me. Also, fans are, are liking the music that, that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. You want to tell us a little bit about, give us some more background into that? Um, I, think, I know it's challenging that. Yeah, it, it, it's challenging. Um, so when I moved into my house at, uh, early 2013, I immediately changed it from just a production studio to actually recording studio. And so I started, you know, then I was able to work with artists, record them, but also I noticed that, you know, I was a little bit older than, than most of them at the time and I had at least a, a little bit more idea of what a scam looked like, which is <laughs> you have to watch for that uh, in the music scene. And so uh, it began, basically I was managing the artists that, you know, in some ways that I was recording and producing. And that was what, you know, and I was real picky about who I was producing. So um, Rico V was, you know, the first artist that I had, you know, real success with. And I mean, he was a hell of a talent. I mean, he could rap. You know, he he was, he, he was who he was. And it, it wasn't, you know, we always bumped heads because Sometimes I would want him to do other things or do things differently, but he was an amazing talent. And, you know, he made me look good. I did the best I could to make him look good. So, you know, it, it was we, – we had a lot of success where we had never had that success before either one of us. Right. To that, what kind of doors did that open for you? I mean, did, after that, were you experienced – were more, more acts coming to you? Were more, you know, doors open that way? So, you know, when that happened – because I had a reputation like like just being this loud mouth engineer and everything. <laughs> but when his project dropped and everybody heard it, and it was different, but it was also uh, different in a good way, I started getting the type of respect, um, started getting invited to other tables. More people were listening to not just the music, but what I had to say and, and wanting me to get involved in their careers or their music or just whatever was going on. Mm-hmm. We, I was talking earlier about bo- putting acts and putting artists into boxes. How, how is that a positive thing where you help to define somebody, but when does that get in the way? It, it, is, it is one of them, them evils, and I'm not sure if it's necessary or not, but I know that it affects hip-hop artists. Like sometimes, particularly like, you know, for years when I lived on – I lived on the east side for years, and the style, the prevailing style out there was uh, to sound like a Louisiana rapper named Lil Boosie. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. Everybody was trying to sound like the South, like, because they were just popping, because it sounded just, because it was like New York, and it was L.A., and then all the Southern hip-hop music started popping up, and everybody was like, I want to be like Boosie. Like, That's exactly. And we, like, yeah. even though we're technically a northern city, we are probably about 40 minutes from Atlanta mentally and musically. <laughs> <laughs> That's about how far north we are and uh, culturally. So, you know, when I was out on the east side, I mean, they, they said, oh, man, you know, them beats are trash or they're weird or, or whatever else. But when I started getting into broader circles, uh, where people were like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't need to sound like Lil Boosie or I don't need to sound like this artist. I want to sound like me or, or do something different. Then I started having success. And I think 
there's a lot of artists that are talented, but they're afraid. They are afraid to sound like themselves. And, and so they're being told by especially some prominent DJs at the time, well, you don't really sound like anybody. I don't know if I can mm-hmm. play you. Now, is that, is that being yourself at the microphone, is that a combination of sound but also content? Yes. It, yeah. it is sound, content, um, you know, composition of the music. And people, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people. I mean, I, I don't think this is a foreign concept, but believe it or not, some rappers lie about Stuff that the, uh, in their records. <laughs> An artist making stuff up? You're right. kidding. What? Shock. Imagination. <laughs> and, and putting it a nice spin on it, calling it imagination. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, sometimes some people are good at, at great at doing that. I think, uh, you know, Rick Ross, uh, as a national actor, is great at making up, uh, you know, convincing everybody that he was really... Uh, freeway <laughs> Ricky Ross <laughs> right. was nothing of the sort and had nothing to do with any of that. But a lot of people aren't that that great, and sometimes they're stifling their own creativity, and it shows mm-hmm. in their music that you don't you don't get that type of passion because how can you be passionate about something that you're not living or that's not your life? You're trying to you're trying to make us passionate about somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. And to an extent, I mean that's true across genres. I mean you see that in punk, you see that in country, you see it in folk. You see it sort of across the board. Now, it sort of, I would say wearing another hat, but not really because the two sort of go together. Your photography is, is really remarkable. Well, thank I've seen you. so many uh, artists taking pictures of live performances, whether that's theater, music, dance, and you think, I don't want to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want, I, I, not only do I not feel like I'm in the room with them, but I also don't want to be in the room with them when I see some of those that work. How do you... Is it a deliberate approach to actually? Of it, it's funny, like segueing into how I became a photographer was uh, at this point I'm a manager and producer uh, around 2015, and my artists are starting to get better and better shows and more often. And we tried paying photographers, and they got the pictures that you're describing was <laughs> stuff like I wouldn't want to be there, and I'm like, I can't promote <laughs> artists, and I, I'm seeing like pictures that. Like, yeah, well, you didn't miss anything by not showing up to, <laughs> to my artist show. I kind of, like, this isn't going to work. Like, I'm dead in the water. So I said, look, I, I'll take the pictures myself. Uh, I borrowed a, 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 one of my mentors' cameras and uh, set about trying to tell a story that hopefully, you know, I could convince people to, to come out to the shows by looking at the pictures that I was taking. Well, it took a little while. It was, it was uh, more, a little bit more difficult than I, than I first imagined, but I, I felt like I got good results. What do you think? I mean, is there a, a trick to it? Are there any sort of things, do's and don'ts that are in your head when you're shooting? Um, I would say do learn how to use a camera on manual mode uh, in a live setting. Um, Automatic settings are not going to work for you in, in all occasions and probably not even half. And, you know, that that's something that I think a lot of people, a lot of people with talent as photographers don't, do not take enough time to go learn the equipment, to, to know the limits, the limitations, when you need to pull out a flash, uh, you know, when you need to switch to manual ISO and, and, and manual everything. 
to overcome stage lights that are shining into your camera that's going to make the exposure too dark. Like just simple stuff. You you have to really, you know, be a, a student of of the gear too. And it's not always about the gear, but if you know how to use it, you can do pretty well. Also, is, is it still a big problem of white photographers not knowing how to photograph dark skin? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hit a chord. I hit a chord. <laughs> That that is uh and you know what <laughs> I, I made a joke about this one time as I was uh, uh, editing pictures I said you know you know integration sounds like a, a, a great thing to all of y'all until you have to edit pictures <laughs> because you I mean you you're literally like oh my god what am I gonna do mm-hmm. uh, uh, here and I you know and that helped me become a better. Uh, a better photographer uh, that could edit was integrated shows. <laughs> I've seen a lot of uh, landscape work as well. You're doing what? I mean, was that something of interest, or did that just so, emerge out of wanting what, to get out of the club for a little bit? Yeah, a lot of that. Like, I always had an interest in photography, and you know, when I first started, you know, learning, I went out and took pictures of the landscape, and it was so peaceful and. I'm actually an introvert. People don't believe that, but I'm really an introvert. And so I was like, yeah, I love this. And so that that's how I, at first I preferred to take pictures of things and objects and, and landscapes more so than people. Yeah. Um, let folks listening and folks here know where they can see your work. Um, so uh, I have an exhibit at the, the airport and it will be up November 10th. Um, it's, You'll know what it is. It's, it's uh, going to be called Indie Hip Hop Music, and you will see pictures of Indianapolis hip hop artists that are passionate about their craft and passionate about performing. Also, go to IndieHipHopMusic.com. Um, I actually did the website. All the pictures and videos on it uh, uh, are, are things that I, ta- I took, and you can listen to a lot of different local hip hop artists. I'm jumping back to music. Um, I know it, it's very difficult to get people away from their TV sets and get them out to see live music. How important has the development of certain festivals been to exposing people to different artists? Shout out Shrees. <laughs> well, explain what that is. Shrees yep. uh, is the it's a hip hop music festival. Uh, how many? Uh, it's like five, six years now. F- uh, this was the fifth year. Fifth yeah, year. the fifth year was just popping up. It's like the same time um, as the Indie French Festival, like that late summer, uh, August time. Uh, it just takes over Fountain Square, and it is the the energy is is crazy. Like just all night, just shows. How much of a game changer was that for the local scene? It was huge. Um, I think there were some successes, hit and miss over the years, but there never had been an event that was mainly made up of Indianapolis hip-hop artists that ever got uh, crowds that big and local media attention. And that was a a big thing, local media attention. Now, you know, if somebody gets shot or stabbed at a hip-hop show, you're going to learn all about the history of of that event and everything else. But to get the the Indie Star and, and WTHR to cover the event before it actually happens... And them saying, yeah, this is something good and, and great for Indianapolis. That had never happened before. I think they got confused because <laughs> the font is of Cheers. And I think they were like, oh, it's a Cheers festival. That's, Norm? That's great for Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. 
a little shocked <laughs> when they set up the interviews, perhaps. Um, if you go to, there's, I know how to phrase it. In the performing arts here in Indianapolis, I see a lot of, of protectionism. The idea that if, you, if you're going to somebody else's theater, you're not going to mine, or if you are buying, you know, uh, if you go to that person's concert, you're not necessarily, is there, how much of it is really a rising tide, you know, raises all boats, or is, is there still a problem with the sort of competitiveness in music here? I think the competitive, competitiveness comes because we aren't traditionally, a, uh, at least not in the last 25 years, 30 years, a music city. Now, you know, we have a rich jazz history that was international, but we didn't really respect that while it existed. And so the competitiveness is that, you know, we're, we're fighting to gain an audience and we're, you know, and everybody's really concerned that, you know, well, if you have a show, then they're going to take the, the people that normally go to my show and split the crowd and everything. But in reality is we just really have to get back to having the city fall in love with, with the music we're making again. And it had, and that was a, the case in the past, and we just have to get back to that. And I think Treese was like a great example of getting people that don't normally come to hip-hop shows to come out to this festival and see a little bit of everybody. Right, and the festivals allow you to say, you know what, I didn't care for that person, but oh, this was great, who's that? And literally at Treese, if you don't like what's going on at the, um, um, what, you know, with the person you're seeing right there, and you can walk out and, walk go, outside, go, and, right, and right, go to the boom. next venue, and somebody mm. else's, it will be in there performing. Uh, normally, when we bring up our, our music act, I would do an intro, and I could do that, but since <laughs> since Pope Adrian blesses uh, an act that you've worked intimately with, uh, I might just turn over the intro to you and allow you to introduce, and, uh, and let's hear some music. Okay. Um, so coming up is an artist that I produce and, uh, and you know, have managed for years, Pope Adrian Bless. He has performed uh, overseas in Hong Kong and Taiwan. He headlined Trees one year. He headlined Orange last year. He's headlined a lot of festivals, and he is an amazing hip-hop artist and father. And he will be accompanied by? Grimm, who is a guitarist for a punk band that I forget. Oh, right, offhand. <laughs> but, uh, oh. but we can't spell it anyway. We can't spell it anyway. <laughs> but we know Grimm very well. He's a great guitarist. Please welcome Grimm and Pope Adrian. Bless. Yes, chicken and cheese, Jay. I am no role model for the generation. I'm just a real nigga with a fascination. Cold with the point, I'll be making your fascination. Boy, I'm too tired, big word, exasperated. Fuck with me. I built a 20 story home. House every bed of my guilt. Press a pill, penny get rich. I appear to be healthy with drug. I'll be sick as a dog. Push up a pull up, deposit with draw. Either which waiters are grabbing my name. Suicidal by the honey. Count me a band, I'm gold. Beauty is merely a snake. Deceive every sea with a knee. I 
Bibles ain't a song of the demon Come from a car through a sin Blood complimented to see I had to juggle the heart of my music Someone I needed to be with I was just walking around Follow the crowd What I really I was the lead Bad blood, 97 Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels Hell in the cell, set Storyteller in his finest hour Brown Pillman, don't forget it Sweet chin when I kick it Legendary for the air What? Look at me now, unstoppable, hot as hell, check the thermometer Back in black, Johnny Cash with a chopper out I arose from the ash with gold in Back from the dead, impossible If I rose in the third, it's phenomenal Walk on water, but hold the applause If they hate us for probable cause They took the blackness of a nigga And made me the error, the defect I just came back from my reparations More importantly, the rejects You can be thorough, man, we check Neck inside Colin by Mojax Eastside the home we winning Playing dodgeball with the Illuminati. I'm the Kaluminati. I seen the sky fall. Where is your God hiding? I ain't got nothing for you, niggas. Fuck you, niggas. I'm the old. I am taller with the pole. Rocky rolling with the gold. I'm Alexander with the potion. I brought the hymns of the heart together for the RBFs and the Stoics. Narcissism with composure. Peace of mind, never sober. Loyalty. That's your run deep in a royalty. Trust I never discuss. Stitching my moral embroidery. This is the way to be. I gave my all for the sake of acceptance. The shit they would take from me. Just to escape the beast. I wrote you letters in my bones Curse of a fur when lit In a pool full of blood attempt Fuck the world, how we not exempt I'd rather sell a win alone How is the world your friend? Cause I had the ash and the fire Built the whip but I'm ready to die Just look at me now, unstoppable Hot as fuck, I'm a check the thermometer Back in black, Johnny Cash with a chop out I arose from the ash with gold in Back when it damn impossible With my rose in the thirds, but now If I walk on the water, applause If they had us for probable cause they took the passion of a nigga, maybe the error of the D. I just came back from my 40 acres, more importantly to read. You can be thorough, man, we. Next time, call them about we. Next time, the armor we win. Right in the blood, Cool enough, I think. Cool enough, I think. Okay. Graham, how do you feel back there, baby? We gonna do it. I'm so used to kicking people in the face of shows. We here now. Shout out to my brothers and arms in the crowd. Baby boy running his mouth, running his house. Relish spray love, but niggas spray room. Laugh out loud, the sick you. Sick nigga, the cage demon, the grave digger. Emmett tilt the world of Ferris full of white women. Bab tough full of Adam and you. Gladiator turned king in the burning stadium. Dipping in the cherry, get on running on the honey. Rumors on the killer, fucking they ain't saying nothing. Every time I slide around, I hear another choice tale. Hellbound, make it safe. Hate the voicemail, still show love when I'm over it though. Roll for a snake, bitch, but the beauty is growth. If I die in the midnight hour or so, tell the city at the same time in this game. I'm all stuck in the ghetto where you stay. Suicide trap in a pack pose like your pedal in those cane. East side from the ghost in the dope game. Post up fatigues and 2K. This is not mad. I've been savage to pay on my chick bang. East side from the close to the dope Fitting all in the lead, he dead. Spirit box playing gym with some of my old down. Told nasty to chill, we win. Ball not average, say dog. Or go back on me race car or chase dog. The lead blinking. Say gun, nigga, do you?
guidance Young OG to big homie to violence Upside is genocide is upon us Pawn shop for the dead kids with slaughter Certified Terminator, check me out Grim got the hammer on him, stepping out He's key from the blood, weapons out Son of death, I'm a part of a weapon that's go pro vivid Joe boy living, I man out Midwest, no limit No cap nigga, infinite, no limit Chris being wild, black cross face crimp This sitting for you, why you even run up? Juggalos at the middle, tummy tuck with a tummy gun Love me enough, but the world gon' cruise Best bed, baby, funeral still soon I post up in the ghetto, it's fair day, yeah Summertime trap and I'm packed poles I'm blizzy with no tech Eastside from the goat to the doja Post up for T's and 2K, yeah This is not out, suicide, it's a dance on the reef Boy, I'm not average. Suicide is the dance of the reject. Spare box playing demos of older. So nasty to chill, we win. Boy, I'm not average. Stay alive, time to reset. Homicide, slide, reject. We're done. Here's that. Wow. Pope Adrian Bless. Pope Adrian Bless. We're going to be back after a short intermission. Uh, write down some questions, pass them up, and we will regroup shortly. All right. Restrooms are around the corner. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to Lou Harry Gets Real, featuring uh, all the lovely guests that are on this uh, podcast. Uh, you might be listening to this in a car or at home. Uh, maybe even on like a, a speaker of some sort, but we're recording this in a lovely place known as the Oxford Room, named after the birthplace of its owner. Uh, it's a perfect spot for many type of gatherings uh, with the same excellent service as the aristocrat restaurant downstairs. It used to be three studio apartments, uh, but now it was renovated uh, in 2014 and opened up. It features rich wood paneling, leaded and stained glass windows and fixtures, as well as the artwork and collectibles expertly curated by owner Rick Rising Moore. That deserves an ooh from everyone. Ooh. We have to get an ooh sign at yeah, some point. Yeah, you gotta get an ooh sign and an <laughs> oh no you didn't sign. <laughs> The Oxford Room sits about 60 people, has AV equipment, a full bar, private bathrooms, a separate entrance, and elevator access. Uh, have an event here in the Oxford Room uh, at the Aristocrat. Like, I'm sure they'll take your wedding or a birthday party, uh, a divorce party, <laughs> uh, bris, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Uh, we really appreciate them offering the Oxford Room as our home for the podcast. Oh, I just, a waitress just uh, shook her head to the idea of a bris, although they do accept tips. <laughs> There's enough comedians <laughs> here, Lou. <laughs> uh, we hope you can come out to... We hope you can come out to one of the shows to check out this room or come out for any kind of occasion here at the Aristocrat and have a great meal. The Aristocrat has been owned and managed by Rick Rising Moore since 1969. And we are thrilled that they sponsor the Lou Harry Gets Real podcast. Thank you to them. Yay. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask Daryl to uh, take some time at the microphone. Uh, Daryl has, has a history of giving advice uh, on a wide variety of topics. Yeah, I'm uh, narcissistic and <laughs> slight sociopath. No, I'm kidding. I mean, yeah, but that's not what I'm talking about. Um, uh, yeah, I've, I've gotten to just do comedy uh, at a bunch of different places, and I just love giving people advice because nobody's perfect. 
So do you want the yeah, stage is it, yours? Take it over. There's a lovely room of folks of people here that just look like they have issues. Uh, <laughs> who has something they need advice on? I know, I know everybody in this room does. You, this is a safe space for right. safe space for the next right. ten minutes. Oh, yes, yes, here we go. Yes, Take my water up. friend. Yes, yes. <laughs> what's your name, man? Roger. Roger. Uh, I'm Daryl. <laughs> nice to meet you, Daryl. Uh, what, what's going on? What's wrong, man? Uh, not much. Um, Did what? <laughs> <laughs> he called me out. I just said you need help. <laughs> Listen, I, I could totally swap with someone else. I mean, if you, I mean, just tell me you got something. You have like a bad day or something recent. You have a you somebody you order something and they give you the wrong side and you just like oh man oh, I got some. oh, sure. oh, oh thank you so I'm sorry I pinch can, hitting yeah. <laughs> thank you for the water but yeah. no thank you for the lack of comedy <laughs> hello I love that jacket and that shirt. Your whole outfit's popping. You're shining. I, I'm just now like, Thank you. absorbing it. That's kind of why I'm sitting here. Okay. Uh, you, want, you want people to see, to see it. You want people to see it. No, no. I need some advice. Oh, you need some advice. Mm -hmm. And you looked at somebody like it's funny uh -huh. to be about this person. You looked at... <laughs> uh -huh. He not even looking down. Now you're shaking your head. He looked guilty. He, he either looked guilty or just like, I didn't even want to do this. <laughs> I'm just here supporting. And now this is extra. What's, what's your name, ma'am? Beatrice. Beatrice? Yes. That's a pretty name. Thank not you. Not a lot of people that's like a name that's dying out like i've been <laughs> no, no 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 it's beautiful i want people to name their kids more like that like i was well you may not want to say dying out not okay it's uh it's gonna come back it's gonna it's gonna come back uh what what do you need help with besides <clears throat> No, yeah. Okay, so um, besides me, what do you? Have? <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> okay, and this is really serious, so I'm hoping you will give me some advice. All right, let's get it. I'm the shopper in the family, as you can clearly see, right? Real talk. And so my husband has been. Well, I try to get him to come along, but you know he just hasn't. You know it hasn't worked out for years. Not so I just like, gave like up. clothes shopping or like just any type, like furniture, grocery. Thing he's shopping. kicking it right. Well, for whatever reason. This past when Friday, he decided he was gonna go shopping. Uh oh, and buy some new jeans. Uh, okay. Without a coupon. Ooh. <laughs> he and yeah, you can't. Oh, this this I, I, my that's so Raven Visions finna happen. I'm like, I see an expensive bill. <laughs> well, and you may not think it's expensive, but I do. But he came home and he was like, "Oh, baby, I'm you know I did really good. I saved fifteen dollars." I said, "Oh." Well, how much were the jeans? He said, well, they were 50. Wait, and you saved 50? You paid $50 for one pair of jeans? He said, well, actually, no. And I said, what? He said, I got two pairs. The other one's shipping. I need some advice. <laughs> um, should men go shopping without their wives? I, or <laughs> if they don't go with their wives, should they go shopping without coupons? They need to go shopping with somebody that knows how to shop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if it, it could be your wife, it could be just your, your people that can shop. I... I will not. Okay, first of all, this is the thing I don't know. How you go buy some jeans and you get jeans shipped separately? That's that's a scam to me. You did you buy some Nigerian jeans? <laughs> no, that's not. That's the that's the first issue. Right. Two, two. Where'd you buy some fifty dollars jeans? For? Where where where's the yeah? Where was where did they? Where, the where? kicker, 
And I said, dude. This is going to make me mad because yes, I know that there's it, some it, cheaper it, jeans it, it, in whatever but, store you're saying, there's cheaper jeans okay, there. Okay, I don't want to knock anybody if they work at this place. Please forgive me. But he purchased them at JCPenney's. He's like, they're Levi's. I said, they're probably irregulars. <laughs> they pro- he got some brand new Levi's. For $50, for $50. at JCPenney's. And they shipping the right. second pair. All right, are y'all uh, Indian? Are from Indianapolis? Yes, you live I here. Am. All right, I'm gonna put you. What's your name, man? <laughs> <laughs> you already exposed. Right. I was like, you, you're. This is a Google generation. I, I can just Google her. What? I'm gonna say. All right. I want to put you, David. All right, David. No, 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 no. It's Anthony. It's Anthony. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Why were you going to lie? Why would you lie? Right. All right. I'm going to put you on, all right? I'm going to put you on. Burlington. <laughs> I buy jeans. These jeans I got on right now, $10. Burlington. And I'm a biggin'. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, like, when you big, it's hard to be big and fashionable and save money. Like... All the fashionable big people are broke or they rich. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I will definitely go buy some jeans. I bought some jeans. For $50 at Burlington, I can go buy some jeans, some khakis, some shorts, a hat, some a four-pack of drawers. You hear that, dude? And a five-pack of socks. And they all match. <laughs> and they not being shit. Yeah, and, 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 and I'm walking out with all the things I bought. Like, if... It's, it's going to be okay when the jeans come because then you can probably pretend that game of like, okay, it was really 25, so it was kind of a deal. But until they come there, you got scammed, my man. You got scammed out of some pants. I can't. I used to do that like when I was in college because I used to want to like try to go, you know, try to show off for the, for the mm-hmm. freshmen and whatnot. So I would go to JCPenney, go to the Big and Tall and go get the, get the IZOD, you know what I mean? But nah. I like a deal. Coup- couponing is sexier than uh, FUBU. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I'm gonna say. Uh, Burlington, Burlington. Okay. That is the advice to buy. Uh, and and uh, do, do you do you have somebody when you can't go shopping with David like that? Is there no, another? No, no. His trusted... name is Anthony. Anthony. That's what I meant. Anthony. Anthony. Is, is there a? Uh, is there a? person that you can designate that's not you. I just need him to not go shopping. You just don't want to go. go. You go? I'll go. No, you won't go with him. You're just going to go. Well, I used to try to take him. That don't work anymore. I'll go. See, you, man, you messed up. <laughs> like, she, she, man, you, you back in the house. Or maybe, or was this, or was this chess? Was this the plan all along? Because it's football oh. season now. You know what I mean? When you go shop, you try to go shopping on Sunday? Oh. You go shopping on Sunday? No, all right. Or is he just not trying to answer still? He was like, nah. <laughs> he was like, nah. Yeah, that's yeah. I say yeah. If you if he gonna if the, if if this gonna keep happening, you got yeah. You you might have to go shopping, okay. Okay. or or find like a designated you know shopper. I'll okay. go. Shoot. Okay. Just let me. I, let me just let me get some jeans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you. No problem. No problem. Make some noise. Make some noise for her, everybody. Can do one more. Yeah. yeah one yeah. more. Who else need a? Who else? Somebody else. Who else needs advice? One more? Who else needs advice? And there's no reason to lie because oh, oh I see a hand Girl. up. Here we go. I'll, don't don't smile yet, sir, because you might be getting snitched on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What what is your name? My name is Cindy. Cindy. Yeah. All right. What's up? So um, my husband. Lou? Oh, snap. Okay. <laughs> Prepare to cut this one out of the podcast. 
I, okay, so that was genuine, because I was looking at him like, oh, yeah, that's she was sitting by him. That's probably who she's married to. So, yeah, uh, that's fun. <laughs> so, Lou and my son Jonah. Okay. Okay, there's two of them. Okay. Right? Why the hell can't they match their socks? Why do they put socks in the washer and then socks in the dryer and... Swear to God, their socks are never. Are you matching socks? The correct answer here is socks don't need to match. Hey, I'm. I'm yeah, I was gonna say I'm kind of leaning. I want to hear. I want to hear the whole. I want to hear your whole thing first, because I think about this a lot. I want to think about this a lot. Is so just. Is it that they do they put them together in like after they finish the laundry and then when it's just time to wear socks they're like I'm gonna take apart this pair I'm gonna take apart this pair I'm gonna mix these two together is it like that or is it just more like a hodgepodge pile of socks well if I'm doing laundry the two get put together as a pair okay but if that's not the case then it is a there is a definite um array there's this sock drawer that has been like i don't know how many times we've gone through got the pairs and then there's these you know extra Mm -hmm. and then it's like okay we're gonna toss those but somehow they amass again so usually and i don't know why jonah and lou can't have separate sock drawers i don't know i don't know what jonah's gonna do when he goes to college next year um but <laughs> as somebody that went to college, them socks ain't never finna see their partners for a while. Uh, I'd say, let me see. So for socks, I think if it's like dress socks, they gotta stick together. But if it's just like some cotton socks, let it integrate. Come on. Like, it's not that. Who's looking at socks? All right, we're, I'm looking at socks right now because it's on the topic. He's matching. He's not matching. But you probably didn't. But but those are also design socks. Sometimes the design is is mismatched. Like I'm wearing matching socks right now. Are you matching socks? Are you, Lou? You, I have no idea. Yeah, no idea. Let's. It's no reason to lie. Here, let's look. He's matching. He's matching. He's matching. What? He's matching. Oh, so, yeah, I think it's yeah. If no one's gonna see your socks, it's really not that deep. Uh, okay. Like if it, like if you just got like a white sock and a black sock. I mean, feel feel different. Feel like you got domino feet. <laughs> it's different I, in shorts. Right? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, yeah right. if you if you if you can see the sock, that's where it is. Because you gotta, it, it's either it's yeah. You gotta go mono monocolor at that point. You can't switch right. it up and, and mismatch. If you can see if you can see the sock, like. Yeah, like if you flooding, you can't, you can't be, <laughs> you can't be doing. That. And, and as long as is there's not two different shoes, which that only happened once for Lou. That's yeah, that's I'm like that's yeah. There, that yeah, was one time. There, it can be way worse. <laughs> well, yeah, you had two different shoes. On, on, yeah, on the way. But to where w- are you matching socks? No, it was on the way to a wedding. <laughs> it, was it was not good. Story for another episode. Daryl Holloquest, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Offering advice. Thank you. Yes, thanks for coming up, Cindy. Thanks for coming up. We're going to bring our, uh, our guests back up to chat further. Uh, please welcome back Wild Style and Pope Adrian Bliss. Oh, no, we need to get you a chair, don't we? We should. Uh, grab that one right there. <laughs> Y'all say just grab, grab that one. There, that'll work. Just spin over there. Grab the microphone. What's up, 
people. Can, you t can we just take that one down? Yeah. That's good. There we go. You want to be Michael Jackson? <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the picnic table. Welcome. Uh, while he's getting that microphone for you, I know you sort of came to music out of uh, out of the spoken word world. What's the difference between those kind of performance universes? I'm kidding. If you want to sing I was it, that's all right. my Dougie, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were, weren't you? It okay. was, what are the differences? Yeah, how is the difference as a performer sort of approaching the perform, you know, the straight up spoken word pieces versus mixing music into it? Oh, uh, because I didn't start off as that. No? No, not for real. That was by accident. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me tell you something. All right. Please. This rap thing is a gimmick. Okay. Okay. <laughs> A gimmick, no matter what, all right? I wanted to get in and be like, hey, I, I like rapping. I can create well. I'm, just, I'm also a really good writer. Okay. So I had to cheat people. I was like, yo, guess what? Because not to be him, okay? I don't want to make this weird. But oh, if we've already been there. Okay, cool. We're already <laughs> great. We're well, you know, just in case. I don't want to make it too spicy. I don't want to make it too spicy. Deep into <laughs> weird cave. Where I, where, look, look, where I come from, look. Normally, Caucasian people fear me. Okay? okay. What does that, that mean? That. that means that rapping to us at a specific time was more like hood, ghetto, gangster ass, drug dealing ass shit. So, me being the genius that I am, right. I decided, I said, you know what? I'm going to be a poet. Mm -hmm. I'm a cheat. I'm going to find a way to get on the stage all the time and make you look at me and see me, and enjoy me, and adore me, then bow, here I am, Kevin Gates, ready to hit you. And, and that's what happened. <laughs> so, so what's the differences? Shit, uh, hell. <laughs> nothing really, nothing okay. really, other than people, people tend to smell more like, you know, baked goods when you're mm -hmm. a poet. Versus being a rapper. <laughs> you notice that? I look, hey, I met a lady one time, man. Hey, she smelled like strawberry cheesecake and baby. When I tell you, <laughs> when I tell, but when you're a rapper, everything smells like the east side. Yeah. <laughs> All the, I'm from there. Fall Creek ain't the best place. But uh, that's the difference, it's the scent. Okay. Well, tell me about how you ate it. <laughs> Over dinner, and man, I wish you had we had been recording our dinner conversation. Um, how did you end? How did you end up in Hong Kong? How did that gig happen? And tell us a little bit about that experience. I like to say things like magic. Okay. You, if you don't speak into existence, baby, it's not existent at all. All right. I got some cool friends. Cool friends. Some are bald headed. Some aren't. <laughs> it just so happens that my bald friend, who was not bald yet, but the hairline baby was moonwalking, had told people when he went. They was like, hey, man, we like you, dude. Hey, boy, we like you. We like you. We, 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 which one brings people back? Da -da -da. And all of a sudden, ding, here's a light bulb. Who you going to call? Ghostbusters. She called me. So they paid us to come out there and show our ass. Mm -hmm. Well, at least they paid me to do that. He okay. went out there and was extremely stellar but it was a hey word of mouth we got people we have a viewpoint we know there's more of you guys out there because people don't believe indianapolis has rappers mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. all 
Mm. Like, at all. Art. I've been a lot of places. But Hong Kong, though, when they want your art, when they want your art, when anything overseas will support you more than anything in this country. And, and, and then they learned about me and said, we have to have him here. They told my guy, they said, look, bring him. Mm -hmm. Bring him. We must have him. And we went, and I went out there, and it was just a beautiful time. Outside of almost getting raped, it was a really wonderful <laughs> time. <laughs> what? You yeah, missed the dinner conversation. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Candy Cane. <laughs> that was serious. But really, legit, that, that was beautiful. It was just word of mouth. I like saying that. Now, was there some terrible local rapper opening for you? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit. All, all I remember was I couldn't put my feet on the table because I was eating fries. And my friend like tapped my ankle while I was up there. Mm -hmm. But if there was one up there, I sure the hell wouldn't pay attention. Okay. All right. Because before I have to go on stage, I don't know nobody. I don't know nothing. I don't see nothing. Don't tap me till it's time. Mm -hmm. So if anybody did anything, I'm sorry. I'm not saying you sucked, but you probably did if I don't remember you. Okay. Okay. So no, no, it was just us chilling, eating how, fries. How different are you, you know, ten minutes before going on stage versus, you know, the day before? Oh, man, dude, I've done this almost 10 years. Nothing changes. <laughs> Nothing changes, dude. You know, butterflies will forever be a thing. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. When you have passion in something, you know, it's, you should be, like, living it. Breathe it. Engage with it. Sleep in it. Get up in it. This is a sport. Mm -hmm. My life has revolved around this so much that nothing changes. And that little 10 minutes before ain't nothing but me up there making a bunch of jokes mm -hmm. and shit. Like, hey, let's go snore some Xanax. Some stupid <laughs> shit. Stupid shit. But you know why? Because at the end of the day, it's not about me getting up there being a performer. No, it's about me caring about people. It's mm -hmm. about me talking to people and engaging with people. You know, like, so that 10 minutes before is me trying to figure out how am I going to be able to relate and resonate and engage with you mm -hmm. to the point where it's deeper than music. I've seen a lot of people go up there and rap in their ass, man. Even if they're great. I don't like a lot of artists because they suck as people. Mm, that's real. I'm more concerned with when I get off this stage, can I talk to you as an individual? Mm. So I'm more concerned with being a person than a rapper. So every day of my life feels like being a rapper mm. to that 10 minutes prior, and I'm back to being a human again, because mm. I have to convey that message to people and don't forget why. Mm. So it's the humility period. That 10 minutes is the humility period. Mm. Which one of you is more of a perfectionist in the studio? Which is the one more likely to say, let's do that again? <laughs> uh, I don't know, because we both are perfectionists, and oftentimes we're, uh, we'll say, let's do it again over stuff that probably doesn't need to be done again. <laughs> you know, we, we have a whole album right now that's been done for almost two years. <laughs> and we pushed it back like seven times. And now we're bringing it back 2020, uh -huh. but it may not drop 2020 because we don't know. No, I'm, I'll, I'll say you. It's because I have a general idea of what I'm going to do when I get in there, at least. And I'll go over a record like five, six times. I give myself a three-time cap. I must record three times. If I can't go past, if I have to go another, I have to stop the record. Because that's not real life. I'm not going to go into a studio session and record anything that I didn't believe in before I wrote it. Mm. So if, if I, was, I say him because we're talking on a technical level. On a technical production delivery base level, it's him. In terms of passion and making sure that it's a thing stated, it's me. Mm. You know, so, so it works in both ways. How important is, is sort of, 
I'll say the space between when you're constructing an album. It used to be, I mean, when I was growing up, an album was sort of a thing in itself in terms of how one song leads to another, how you're structuring the side of an album. With CDs, obviously, that ended up changing to a certain extent. How important is sequence and how important is figuring out how songs fit together? Or, or are we thinking more about songs as singles? I mean, both. I, I know <clears throat> we do a lot of singles, but when it comes to sequencing, I always defer to him on, on, on a project because mm -hmm. he has a, it seems like he's always been right. Like he has a good idea of his music is intense and but not all of it's intense, so you need some breaks in between, uh, you know, the intensity and ups and downs in the album. And he's good at, at really capturing that and, and realizing, okay, you know, the audience needs to, to come down for a minute and then they need to go back up and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, oh, one of the folks here in the audience wanted to know... <laughs> what's your opinion on Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, and other artists who have quote-unquote, fights that garner publicity. How do you get publicity for your clients in an authentic way? That is beautiful. You start off. Oh, man. <laughs> There's controversy to my middle name. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I mean, controversy is, is okay. I just think you need to make sure that you're not uh, selling out your values uh, when you're doing it. Like, it's okay for people not to get along and for you to take a position on some, something or it to be a public fight about something. If it's something you believe in, just don't, I don't believe in doing that for clout or, you mm -hmm. know, for, oh, I need publicity. I'm going to go start a fight with somebody and I don't even, I'm not passionate about it. I don't, I don't believe in that. Mm -hmm. So I think generally we haven't shied away from, <laughs> from controversy. <laughs> oh, right, okay. For example. I'm going to talk about that, because like, I'm going to I'm take the heat. It, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a show. I'm, I'm not even going to say. Yeah, just put. <laughs> I, I'm it was also in his, his microphone is on the table. <laughs> I'm also his, his manager, already. so I look. money. <laughs> <laughs> there was a potential event being thrown, and his name was, you know, of course, put on the, on the show, but it was also somebody else's name and we didn't want that mm -hmm. i mean i mean the guy i i think the person is not a good person i don't think and and and, and for the type of show it was a charity event mm -hmm. had a specific theme i didn't think it was good for his branding or ours and so it got to be a a minor it hasn't a cluster fuck <laughs> <laughs> That's not punches people. Yeah, people were mad at me. People were mad at him. But at, at the end of the day, um, you know, it wasn't a power play. Like it, you know, it didn't fit his brand and his and his ethics or our ethics. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to be on a, a show with that person. So mm -hmm. it was. So it's genuine. So what's interesting to me. Um, they talk about like you know getting genuine publicity, and you're talking about this you know possible altercation that happened. But that was. That was genuine too. Like it was, like, it, it, some, like sometimes bad things happen naturally, mm -hmm. or like stuff pops off naturally. And I think sometimes with those, you know, the, the names that they drop, it's not even Pete, them trying to get that publicity. Like sometimes it's just like what you were just describing. Like you're trying to mm -hmm. just do business, and it, it there's a a confrontational you know element to it. 
But then you got somebody that's, you know, trying to make money off of that. Like, if I can make money off of it, you know, I'm going to try to blow it up as big <laughs> as possible. But that's, but that's the kicker, though. It's always going to be like that. Yeah, there, I know. It's always going to be like that. That's how the world works. Duality is a key. Hell yeah. Up, down, left, right, right, wrong. True, it's going to be. You can't do shit without fucking somebody over. Mm-hmm. No matter how good your intent is. And that's just technically where we stand. We're always on the thin line of we're going to do what's appropriate for business, whether you like it or not. Unfortunately, the world does not operate in a stream where we all can just get along and understand that, Mm -hmm. especially being artists. Artists are more susceptible to sensitivity and thinking Mm -hmm. everybody fucking them over. We We ain't thinking about you, man. We play this way too close to the chest. Like, for real, like, honestly, there's been multiple times I've been thrown in conversation with people that ain't worth shit. But not because they're bad people. They ain't got nothing to do with what we have to do with. But for some apparent reason, you want to slide your way into some shit that got nothing to do with you. And then get mad when we do what's good for business. Mm. When we have to look out for our brand. We're not going to do anything to go against what we've already developed. But that's the difference being a hip-hop artist and a general artist. Because when you're a general artist, there is no comp. When you're a hip-hop artist, whatever you have, we need to get. Because it's very minimal. Us being up here, this is not anticipated. Mm-hmm. It ain't. Not me. Shit, me? Louis? Harold? Not me? But look, but in an alternate world in some Marvel mythos, <laughs> there is an artist right now, angry. Because this would not may not be seen again. Mm-hmm. They're going to wonder, how can we get on this kind of platform? Mm-hmm. Because if it ain't pay to play, if it ain't SoundCloud liars, if it ain't people buying streams, mm-hmm. if it ain't all this shit, we already have a very minimal stream of success. Mm-hmm. So any little thing like this, or performing at Trees, or Orange, or Hong Kong, guess what? Anybody can do it. But you're a rapper. So it's like you're the only one. Mm-hmm. And then everybody wants to try to follow that, and they can't. That blueprint's not acceptable for everybody. You know what I mean? If if I played country, shit, I'm pretty sure I'll see like seven, eight other country artists up here, maybe. I would assume that. I would assume that. I am a raunchy, non-political, straight-to-the-point brand. Who I am as a rapper is who I am as a man. And that's always going to be. But again, going back to hip-hop and the controversy of things, a lot of it is narrow-mindedness. Cardi... Love Cardi. All the time she fucked up, probably was good reasoning. Not saying that it all was, but something conflicted her brand. Nikki always feel like something conflicts her brand. <laughs> it don't matter. Y'all be listening to Queen yeah, Radio. She, I'll be. She wake up like, angry. who's messing with my money? She, she be angry. Man, she got that like financial like deficit edge up deal going. Like when she has certain extensions in her shit, you know what's going on. <laughs> yep, yep. Somebody's getting it. You know, but we ain't talking. But what about the baby? I ain't heard nobody talk about the baby. The baby got over 4.8 million views on all his gangster ass moments. Nobody brought that up, but yeah, he's the number one artist in the world right now with 20-something hits. Why are we not talking about the baby? We're going to name those three women right there, but we're not going to talk about a nigga that tried to kill you in Walmart? Are we not doing that? <laughs> are we letting that pass, too? Here's, here's, my, favorite, <laughs> here's my favorite thing about the baby. Uh, I still get people confused. Talking it's about like, a lot of empathy. Is it? It's the little baby. This dead yep. baby. It's baby now, yep. Birdman. 
<laughs> we're old. We know. We know, baby. I like still, the initial one. But people still. I like the baby. He's tight. I like you. So was Cardi not tight? Is Nicki not tight? Nicki's not Nikki, tight. I like. I think uh, Nicki tight. Moment for life was a classic. Let's not act that way. Okay, but how many years ago was that? Bro, you know I can't count. <laughs> Are you talking to me like I got I don't know. I have no education. I did not graduate high school. How much of this is, is fueled by social media and, and sort of controlled by the artist in a way that it wasn't before? Well, I mean, if you look at, okay, if you look at Cardi's uh, situation with the Offset, her, her boyfriend where they, I don't know, maybe they did, did they maybe, they, maybe they broke up, maybe they did I thought they was engaged. Oh, okay. okay. Were they married at the time? Yeah. Oh, okay, whatever. So <laughs> anyway, so 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 Cardi uh, uh, with her husband, and then they broke up. Then they had got back together, and then he was like popping up on stage at her shows. But then we find out her manager was in on it, and they all were in on it, and they were kind of playing us uh, but, for fools. So, but that's something that's. I mean, that's happened in the 1920s with Hollywood actors in terms of you know publicists sort of manipulating stories to make sure they get you know attention and people keep people top of I mind. I got a question. It's for you, Styles. <laughs> Do you feel that you manipulate your publicist role in any format to get us farther than we necessarily <laughs> need to be? Because evidently, according to Lewis, no. this was popping since the 1920s. No, like, so I'm trying to figure it out. Even farther back. Oh, God. We're no, talking Christ. That's a piece of it. G Jesus died because his publicist said. Jesus, you're not pulling well with the Romans. Right. We're gonna Come on, to... we got this cave. We got no, this cave. We got this cave. We got this cave with this rock. The the one that made sure they were all on the same side of the table so they get in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Saul. <laughs> Shout out Saul. You gotta have the guy back I see here. you, Brad and Fish. I see you, Brad and Fish. Moldy. So, so, yeah, I mean, like, I draw the line at that. Like, I'm not going to get up in somebody's... Uh, personal business and make it more of a theater than it already can be because I mean it, it just social media like it's not social media's fault that that we destroy our relationships on social media but it can happen it, it definitely can happen and so yeah I'm not going to be that person uh, shout out to Cardi's publicist who clearly did set all that up <laughs> and get paid yeah. Cardi's publicists get paid and that's yeah. Right. Now on, on the, the authentic side of things, the birdcage sessions. Talk me through that metaphor a little bit. What does that mean to you? It was supposed to be a label when I fucked off. That's I'll get straight to the point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, dude, no, dude. No, it was legitimately supposed to be a label. I was supposed to create a label around that and retire. Mm-hmm. Twenty-eight. You know, so whenever you give up anything you fucking love, it's called retirement. <laughs> All right? Ain't no 401k with this shit. Mm -hmm. All right? But no, dude, there was no particular thing behind it. It wasn't. It was just, I'll say this. I'll make it very smooth. Um, this is the PSA to people that are probably fans of mine that are listening. Don't ask me for my old shit no more. Mm -hmm. Stop asking about my old music. But that should go. Buy my old album. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Go to Bandcamp. Fuck, you know? Like, it's out there. That is a, but that's a, battle right. for, that's a battle for a lot of artists. And, and do, I, you, do, do you sort of appease the fans by giving them what they heard on a record 30 years ago, or are they there to experience what you're about right now? I believe that we should stop lying as consumers. That's what the Birdcage Sessions is for. It's for me to create the music I've been trying to make since 2007. Mm -hmm. That's what it's for. Records like Birdcage itself, but that's not for people. This is for me. Mm -hmm. 
I, I, I'm, dude, I am borderline everything, all right? Bipolar depressive, major depressive disorder. They try to give me ADHD. They try to say a whole bunch of shit, right? And guess what? Therapy ain't shit because Big Farm is a lie. So I'm creating material to keep me healthy, to keep me alive, to keep me emotion. So at the same time, maybe I'm too sensitive, but I feel fans don't resonate with that all the time mm -hmm. because don't come to me. Like, I have people I love dearly, known for 12 years, you know, and they'll be like, well, we missed it when you rapped a certain way or done a certain thing. I'm like, but you know I did that to answer your question? I did that because I thought that's what, what mattered to people. Like, I was a spoken artist because I thought that's what mattered to people. I thought that meant everything because being a rapper is harder to break into than anything. And it don't take no skill. It don't take any skill. Just have a little bit of a cadence and shit and don't be ugly. <laughs> it's some ugly ass rappers. It's some ugly ass That's rappers. That's it. That's my point. There's a lot of ugly dicks. Look like Kellogg's in the face. A lot of them. We're not gonna pretend like Jay Z. I know is a guy a right now. No, Jay Z. Jay Z <laughs> is the most charming, ugly man ever. I I Very love true. Jay. If listen, if I was a blonde woman and Jay <laughs> talked to me, I bet you money I will give it all up for Sean Carter. If I don't care. Were closed, that <laughs> is very. <laughs> B, listen, yeah, he like he like a camel filter in the face. <laughs> you better, you better love you some S dot. But no, but that's but that it's real life, dude. Where I don't think <clears throat> I'm a consumer first, an artist second. I'm mm -hmm. going to create what I want to hear. Mm -hmm. It's not about for everybody else. And the way the law of attraction works, whatever I pitch somebody's going to catch. Mm -hmm. There's going to be more people catching it than I imagine pitching it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But in relationship to that, I have to go through old trains of thinking. I have to deal with old situations prior that I'm not broken. So a lot of people that come to me say, oh, we want your old material. Those are people who are not strong enough to be on my journey today. Mm -hmm. That's not for them. If you can't get on the board right me right now, then make room for people that don't know shit. Because when they do find me, they're going to want to be here and stay here and support me and give me all the shit that you don't want to give me because I'm not giving to you specifically something that for me personally sounds selfish. Why am I going to make music for you? Why? Who the fuck are you? Because when you die, guess what? You're dying alone and I'm going to give you shit that don't mean nothing to me. So the birdcage sessions is shit that means everything to me. Up and down the board. No ifs, no ands, no buts. So that means if I want to sing, I'm going to sing. If I want to rap, I'll rap. If I want to yodel, saddle up with your mismatch socks. We going to town, Lewis. And well, it's going to be great. Well, you what know? are we going to hear from you now? I want to hear, what do you want to do? Let's do underwater. Let's do it. Let's do underwater. Hey, I, I need to get in on these birdcage sessions because I just found out where to put that ocarina. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Wow. Two-hour callback. It's, it's, been, <laughs> it's going down. Hey, man, listen. I got a band, and my band is called The Purge. All right. Bring your goddamn woodwind flute. Let's fucking get it. To Michigan, okay? Pope Adrian blessing the purge. <laughs> that just sounds hellbound, doesn't it? I swear, Lou is like my Jay Leno, man. Like this is. It's better. Somebody know. called me Michael Moore once, so Jay Leno's a step up, I think. Damn. Visually, Not my, uh, people don't deserve shit. People don't deserve anything at all. Take the internet away, please. 
Take it away. Daryl, how you feeling, man? I love your flame. I'm hanging out, man. This has been a great time tonight, Hasn't man. It's this been some great stuff. You know, man, we got to talk after the show because you led me to the bathroom when I was trying to find the stairs to get here. Hey, and hey. it led into your intermission joke, and we realized that we were behind. And I came up here, and I was scared. I was about to piss cheesecake. I'm like, oh, my God, where's Daryl? Daryl found a throne at home. Hello, Christ. Christ. All right. You got diabetes, things happen to you. <laughs> Cellulite in your kneecaps and shit. People don't like to talk to you about those things. Honey, don't be looking like that, B. <laughs> Let me tell you something, B. You are, boy, you are be cracking up every time, man. Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. 23 year old, newborn child on the way. I'm now red. True life fact, I ain't close to repair, and I don't even pick my draws. How can I tell you about my future? How can I tell you about my views when they talk to myself and they always there? Common sense, two dimes. Many for your thoughts, they go down, pay Came like a reflex. Cool kids ain't cool no more since that AC broke. Tree your life and that blunt, I'll choke. Ain't no wrong, it's your first time niggahood Ain't no wrong, it's a new mind niggahood So choked up, had to repeat that reach back Looking for God just to release my soul Psych world love shit, sound sick, don't it? Medicaid, car, school, weed, baby, roll You want me to fall back in love, baby, roll Not at all, really Low remote control, baby, we televised vibes of ejectors now Chakra lines within the line, line them like a table buffet Take two shots of amazing grace in the cornfield full of drunk children, no Can't live rib cage, kiss on my abs, just to light you a square to stay I know you said that you gon' quit, use a smoke one to ease my pain Every day I wake up ain't a guarantee, go, oh, I don't know I was fortunate that I never sold dope But I seen 23 swinging freely from the pose Black 40, take a pose, dog, every sign you know I was driving no my kneecaps are like Stone Coast Steve Austin. Don't ask me shit if you don't know the truth. It's like I'm being tied down on the wall. Then came a door's box, no chance of karma, I'll pull it out Can't be no father, two suicidal sight boards and Bible scripts keep me So used to blank or playing while playing the games in the cockpit Cause that tape's directed all this shit Rewind the rewind the we find the truth Can you put a mom's mind on mute? That's a real question Home on a heart on a block where I gang bang That's a real section Tears of a clown of the fears of a war cry Of course baby girl gon' stress me Of course there's a corpse in the course in the lecture Of course there's a corpse in the course in the garden I mean I can't say no, no so I don't Too many next to guess who inside that rope I can't stop that you kill yourself, but your friends to love. I did you wrong and I accept that. Got so much guilt that my chest collapsed. Call up Tay and I spent the night. Spent my life with my gift back. Lord forgive me, I'm picking fence with your words and games. You call and fall with me. Street light blur, good green. Then the arrow on airplane mode, just talking to me. Can't a little rib catch, kiss on my abs to light you square to stay. I know you said that you gon' quit. What? 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 Every day I wake up, ain't a guarantee go. I don't know. I was fortunate that I never so dope. But I see. 23 swinging freely from the pose block. Forty take a pose dog. Every sign you know, I was driving no faith under neighborhood light. I was driving no faith under neighborhood light. Hey, involuntarily corrupted when I'm staring to the bright. They want my mind, my soul, my body, my body. A loop, a loop, a loop, a loop. I want my mind, my soul. Mind and soul, mind and soul, mind, 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 they can't talk to me. The Illuminati, I'm a black man dying, the Illuminati, I'm the Illuminati.
I am a black man falling. Fuck Illuminati. I dig it. Woo! Hope Adrian Bless. I'd like to thank producer Pat Patrick Chastain and audio engineer Miles Hall. Yeah. Big thanks to the management and staff of our sponsor, The Aristocrat. And of course, to Daryl Hollenquist Jr. Yes. Thanks for Pope having me. Pope Adrian on. Bless and Wildstyle, the producer. The producer. Thanks also go out to Squeeze, Al Stewart, and Richie Havens for, for playing in bars where I was so close that I could feel, feel their sweat. Thanks to my middle school music teacher, Betty King, who really, really tried. And thanks to everyone I've ever seen lugging an instrument down the street to a rehearsal or a gig. When you see these people, do me a favor, thank them for bringing music into the world. And of course, thanks to all those listeners to the podcast here and there. Thank you. Keep an open heart and an open mind. We'll hear you next month.